The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 203. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Physician universe. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hello, I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing The 11th Doctor, a season five series finale, The Big Bang, the second part of a two-parter. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, remember to like the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, where we're at facebook.com slash Secrets of Doctor Who. Follow us on Twitter at SQPN and share and retweet our episodes as they appear. That uh, helps get the word out about the show, and we really appreciate that. So, as I said, we're discussing the season finale, the second of two parts of the season finale of this first season of The Eleventh Doctor, first season of Stephen Moffat as showrunner. and. Fifth season overall. Yeah. So where where we were last time was River is trapped in an exploding TARDIS. Rory mm-hmm. is grieving because he's just killed Amy and the Doctor has been sealed in Pandorica. And every sun in the universe has gone supernova at every moment in history, even though that makes no sense. <laughs> so. so we start with, uh, on screen, 1894 years later, after 102 mm-hmm. AD, Amy's house in Ledworth. So we're in 1996. Uh, right. And this is young Amy. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I want to say, uh, before we get started, this is, even though there are, I, as always, I have criticisms of, you know, various aspects of this. This is one of my favorite episodes of mm-hmm. all time. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like about it is, it's not, it's not one that I would introduce someone to Doctor Who with, because no. it requires a knowledge of this season yeah. to fully appreciate yeah. it. But... This is the most timey-wimey episode of Doctor Who ever, yeah. and as we go through it, I will be noting the various timey-wimey aspects of it, and that I love that. I love time travel fiction. Right. I love it when it exploits the potentials of time travel, and this does that multiple, multiple times throughout the episode, so I, this yeah. really scratches where I itch. I love this episode yeah. for that reason. Well, the, the entire, entire episode itself is, is, you know, a timey-wimey, alternate timeline episode, <laughs> right. basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, there, and, and the character moments, I really love the character moments. There's so much about this episode mm-hmm. that really works, uh, and yeah, I really I, I enjoy it, too. And with the opening scene, mm-hmm. now we start with Earth with no stars in the background, just Earth in space. Yes. And we go to Amy's house, and this is the night that the doctor originally met Amy. Right. It's Easter time. Amy has a crack in her wall. She's praying to Santa Claus to send someone to fix the crack. She hears something outside. She rushes to the window. Only this time, 
the TARDIS doesn't come. Right. Yep. Right. Now, then we, we switch to uh, a, a, another day, like a, it could be the next day or just another day. And um, Amelia, we'll call her Amelia for to mm-hmm. ease. So adult Amy is Amy. Young Amy is Amelia. So Amelia and has. They, they, they honor that convention yes. in the episode itself. Right. Right. To help uh, avoid <laughs> too much confusion. She's painted a night sky with stars in it. And the, the, the nice psychiatrist and her aunt are trying to tell her that there's no such thing as stars, that, that they're, they're fairy tales that, that have been made up. So notice, in both timelines, Amy has a childhood delusion that's actually real, but that mm-hmm. nobody else gets. In the prime timeline, it's the raggedy doctor yep. that they try to convince her isn't real. Right. And in this, it's stars that they try to convince her aren't real. Right. And we quickly learn that the, the, the Earth's solar system is all that has survived the destruction of the universe, or so far, that it's coming. <laughs> or at least, even it, it we'll eventually learn it's just Earth that has survived. And Correct. The, the sun did not. Well, we do the see the moon. The we moon. do see the moon. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. The dragon egg has to, the, has to survive. <laughs> <Go ahead and laughs> <just> wait, <laughs> the, the moon egg. <sighs> anyway, uh, her, her aunt tells the psychiatrist that she doesn't want her growing up to join a star cult and then apparently Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist, is involved with the Star Cults, which I thought was a nice touch. <laughs> that was a good touch, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, as Amy's kind of eavesdropping on the, her aunt and the, the psychiatrist, she sees someone outside the front door, you know, through the, the uh, opaque glass. Someone wearing a fez. Someone wearing a fez, yeah. dropping a note through the mail slot. And, it, and it's a brochure advertising the anomaly at the British Museum, the National Museum, the British Museum. And it's the Pandorica. And written on it, it says, come along, Pond. And so someone mm. has written the, in the doctor's handwriting. So the next day, Amelia and her aunt are at the museum. And uh, I noticed as we came in, there's a poster on the entrance for the exhibit, which shows a couple of Daleks on it, which is interesting. Well, yes. and there's a Dalek fossilized statue there. So we get to see Chekhov's Dalek statue. <laughs> exactly. Yep, two of them. Where could these possibly have come from? So uh, she's standing. She she kind of uh, loses her aunt in the crowd and has gone to the Pandorica and she's standing in front of it with the crowd. And uh, as she's standing there, someone grabs her drink out of her hand. She doesn't see who. And then she turns around and sees a note that's stuck right on the Pandorica and says, "At her eye level. At her eye yep. level. Uh, stick around, pond." And so she hides. This is where we've stretched believability a little bit because her yeah. aunt is apparently looking for her and apparently. Gives up, and, and now it's after hours, and everyone and is left. goes home. Yeah, <laughs> is, is this something that Amy does? <laughs> like, she I mean, just it, well, disappears? You, get, you get like the closing, closing. You know, museum's closing. Amelia Pond, please come to the front, and that's basically it. Right. So the the poor aunt is at the police station filing a missing persons report, thinking her her niece has been uh, abducted. So she she comes out of hiding after hours, and everyone's gone. And when she touches the Pandorica, it glows and opens, and adult Amy is inside, and basically says... Uh, this is where it gets complicated, yeah, that's where it gets, yeah. <laughs> that's where the teaser ends. So this has all been the setup for the episode, the teaser. And so this is, the, this is a shock reveal, because last episode, we saw the Doctor sealed inside the Pandorica. Yes. And now, instead, it's Amy in there. And Amy was alive. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, we're, I remember watching this going, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Doing the 10th <tenth> Doctor. 
that so after the opening credits, it says eighteen hundred and ninety four years previously, and then we see Stonehenge, Rory holding Amy's body in his lap, uh, t- talking to her. And as someone who's lost his wife now, I I often comment when something rings true to me mm-hmm. about a, the grieving process. This does not. Right. In watching mm-hmm. in watching this again, if Rory had just shot his wife. You know, because of Auton programming, he would not be joking and talking in this fashion to her corpse. Right, right. It's supposed to be sort of in shock, I guess, but yeah. It doesn't work. Right, you, it you think he would be rushing down to try to get help or something, but... Trying to find the doctor. Well, so he says, you know, he's basically telling you, oh, the doctor said that, that you know, the universe is huge and ridiculous, and sometimes there were miracles. I could do with a ridiculous miracle about now. And that's when the doctor... Pops out of thin air, wearing a fez and carrying a mop. And so th- this is the miracle that he was hoping for. He gives Rory the the sonic screwdriver, tells him to let the doctor out of the Pandorica, and to leave his screwdriver in Amy's top pocket. And he says this while popping back and forth in yes. time, and not always ha- like the mop vanishes yeah. um, mm-hmm. he, when he comes back. So we actually see several different appearances of the doctor. And as, and this is part of the timey-wimeyness. This is the setup yep. mm-hmm. for a whole series of little things that are going to happen. Um, he then takes Rory down to the underhinge, and they open up the Pandorica, and the doctor says it's easy to open from the outside. And I'm going, just like every prison, yeah, if you want to build the most secure thing in the universe to hold the most dangerous prisoner ever, of course, you make it easy to open from the outside, just not from the inside. Right. Uh, It doesn't really work. Now, of course, there's a question of, okay, if it's so easy to open from the outside, why didn't they do that earlier? Why did we have that whole, you know, 15 minutes with River... And yes. the doctor rambling on about how about all the locks and security oh. codes and everything and 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 they said it River said it was going to take hours for that to transpire yeah, yeah right right so anyway so the so the doctor um had disappeared but he had said just point the screwdriver at it and and it will open so he did and then when he comes out he's like um, how'd you do that the the doctor from inside the TARDIS and he says you gave me this and he shows him the screwdriver and he goes no I didn't and he shows his own. And they touch, and the doctor says, oh, same screwdriver, different points in its own time stream. Me from the future must have given that to you. Then they look around, and we see fossilized Daleks and Autons and whatnot. And he, and he says, uh, yeah, the races have been deleted from existence, but these are just afterimages, like fossils in time, echoes. Uh, so footprints of what never were or something like that. So that, so that kind of explains the Daleks in the exhibit. They, that's what these mm-hmm. are. The doctor then kind of goads Rory into attacking him. You know, Amy isn't more important than the rest of the universe. You know, uh, so why are you so worried about saving this, this, the woman who's dead now? We've got to save the billions and trillions who've existed. At which point Rory socks him <laughs> in the face. Rightfully She's more important so. to me. <laughs> Everyone in the audience cheers. Yes. And then the doctor says, I just needed to make sure it was you and not, you know, a, a not programmed Auton. Which actually it is at the moment. It is an yep. auton programmed with Rory's memories, right? But uh, but Rory himself is somehow in charge. Rory's personality is is running it, not yes. not yeah. auton personality. That's right. So the doctor puts Amy into the Pandorica in his place and leaves her a telepathic message. 
and he explains that the Pandorica is as the ultimate prison won't even let you escape by dying, which makes no sense. Mm, but right. it repairs you, so it's gonna once it gets. It, it, technically, it doesn't happen till till it arrives in the twentieth century, but it's going to repair Amy. Right. It needs a, a scan of her living DNA. There's a Princess Bride reference because she's mostly dead. She's only mostly dead. Yeah. Yes. She's only mostly dead. <laughs> well, true level saver. <laughs> yeah. So needing a scan of her living DNA from her eight year old self is nonsense because you could. It's got all of her DNA right now. You, and a trillions lot of, those, of cells of it. Yeah, I was and a lot say, of those some cells of them are living. Still be alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they're all alive. Uh, yeah. So that's where the young Amelia comes in, and why eighteen hundred ninety four years later she's called to the to the Pandora. Which, which, by the way, you know, for for the, this this trope, especially in sci fi, of having the you know three weeks earlier, two weeks earlier, this has got to be the longest one. Eighteen hundred ninety four years <laughs> later, oh, earlier. Ba- Battlestar Galactica tops it in the finale. Fifty one thousand years oh, later. That's, that's <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about. But they don't. They, they. I'm talking about. They start that far forward. But yes, that's true though. Where that's it true. jumps to modern time at the end of Battlestar Galactica. Exactly. Yeah. Spoilers for. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers so the, of a twenty year old TV show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the so the doctor is getting ready to go back to the mm-hmm. 21st century for an Amy's going to ar- wake up and he's initially going to take Rory with him but Rory gallantly and in fairy tale fashion mm-hmm. resolves to stay with the Pandorica to guard it throughout those 2000 years. Yes. Yep. And right now at bigfinish.com you can pre-order your two lone centurion collections starring Arthur Darville uh, that are first ones coming out in twenty in I think spring of twenty twenty one to fill in all of the inv- adventures that they imply Rory had in those two thousand years, but that we didn't get to see. They just but mm. Rory and the show it, it you know re- referenced them. Nice, nice. Th- that should that'll be, good. be fun. Yeah. So this is where Rory like sets his place in Doctor Who history as beloved companion because yeah. a, a fan favorite because he, ach- he achieves self-realized agency <laughs> right yep. and and his this gallant i'm going to sit here and guard you know the cinderella yes <laughs> not cinderella mm-hmm. sleeping beauty for two thousand years you know that i'm gonna stay by her side and which makes the whole like splitting up and getting a divorce thing later on just so stupid but <laughs> Because he can always pull that out of the bag, you know. I waited for you for 2,000 <laughs> years, you know. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, yeah, Amy, and that, yeah. A- after hearing that a certain number of times, <laughs> it's not going it, to, it's it's going to have diminishing returns. I suppose, yeah. I suppose. So, Amy, uh, at the at back at the um, National Museum, sees a video presentation about the lone centurion who guarded the box for 2,000 years. And that's where we get those references that'll be in the Big Finish production. Meanwhile, the uh, Dalek fossil somehow becomes active and starts attacking, although its weapon systems are still offline. The doctor shows up, tries to run, but then Rory shows up as a security guard and shoots it with his gun hand, uh, which doesn't destroy Mm -hmm. it, but just disables it for the moment. And we find out that the light from inside the Pandorica is a restoration field that is keeps reanimating the Dalek. So it keeps it, just like it. it reanimated Rory, although it for some reason didn't need a scan of the Daleks' living DNA. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, 
the the doctor now does a, a bunch of uh, vortex manipulator time jumping in a short amount of time to set up everything that we had seen. You know, seeing Rory yeah. while holding the the mop, giving him the sonic, etc. There, there's even a line where Amelia tells him that she's thirsty, and he uses the time manipulator to grab her own drink from her earlier self, which is <laughs> why she's now thirsty because she didn't get to drink it then. Yes, we're full of paradoxes, time paradoxes here. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is very Bill and Ted's excellent adventure where it's like, yes. oh man, we got to put those keys there. Don't let us forget to do that. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Where he actually gra- he grabs the pamphlet off the rack and fills it out. And jumps off to send it out to put it in the drop box and does yes. the sticky note and yes but this everything. is more more of the timey wiminess of this but far from the last right yeah. well th- this whole sequence ends with him now as they're trying to go up the stairs him appearing in front of them jumping from some other time to to the to this time but now he's all beat up and collapses he whispers something to the present doctor uh, who says they now have 12 minutes and then he collapses and dies. And so that that sets a ticking clock for the doctor's life, apparently. And they notice that Amelia is gone because there never was an Amelia, apparently. History is still collapsing, he reveals. And this is something they've said a couple of times. Nothing is protecting us. We're here on Earth. We're just at the eye of the hurricane. So we're going to die last. Right. Yep. So he, uh, they go up to the roof of the museum, and he points into the sky. He says, if all the stars are gone, then what's that? He says, as he points to the sun. And it turns out it's not the sun. Finally, we get payoff on this. Because <laughs> earlier, when the psychologist and the aunt took Amelia out into the yard to look at the night sky, they said, what do you see? The moon. And we see a crescent moon up there. And I'm going, if every star in the universe has exploded, then the sun would have exploded. There's nothing to create that moonshine up there right and so so there has to be something and finally that they hang a lantern on it it's we don't have a sun now in reality if our sun had gone nova (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. we would not we would already not be here i have the hurricane or not yes yes but apparently the sun went nova without supernova without killing us and the TARDIS is now exploding and replaced the sun as a light so- and heat source in the solar system. Right. right. And the doctor aims a, uh, a a dish satellite, you know, satellite dish at the sun, or quote-unquote TARDIS sun, uh, and they uh, hear river in a time loop at the heart of the explosion, which is why they're not dead yet. The explosion is taking place over in a loop time loop over yes, this centuries? isn't this is no well this is another aspect of the timey-wiminess of this episode of exploiting the potential for time travel that i love because what has what's happened according to the doctor is in order the tardis has a safety feature that in order to save river it has put her in a time loop yep. and so she's reliving for 100 for the last 1894 years She's been reliving like the last 30 seconds over and over again as a way of keeping her alive until someone outside the TARDIS can intervene to save. Mm-hmm. And I love this. Normally, we see time loops used as a way to defeat villains without killing them. Mm-hmm. But here, we see a time loop used to preserve and save people. And I yeah. love I love that concept of the TARDIS being a time machine. It could have this kind of safety feature. Right. Yep. And so the doctor uses the vortex manipulator to jump in to the time loop, grab her, bring her back. 
So I mean, just like, boop, okay, she's back. Doesn't take any time at all. You know, we don't we don't have an extended rescue sequence on the roof of the the museum. The most important thing she has to deal with at the moment is what is that ridiculous fez on your hat (laughs) (laughs) on your head? And they they grab it and destroy it. They shoot it. Foreshadowing what will happen in the season opener next time. That's right. Uh, Meanwhile, as as she shoots it, the Dalek floats up from the side of the building because Daleks fly now in, in New Who. Uh, and starts chasing them. Inside the Pandorica, we're told, it preserved a few billion atoms from the universe as it was. And in theory, the doctor says, you could extrapolate the whole universe from a single one of them, like cloning a body from a single cell. So this is the this is part of why the Dalek is important, because the doctor realizes the restoration field in the Pandorica as the light shining out of the Pandorica was what turned its time fossil into an actual Dalek. Mm-hmm. And he realizes we could do the same thing with the whole universe. Right. They just need a sufficiently powerful power source, uh, which the exploding TARDIS is. It, it's powerful enough to destroy the universe. It could it just Bring seems it back. like a bad yeah. idea to invent a vehicle whose power source can destroy the universe. But all, all yeah. universes. Uh, but anyway, yeah. that's, that's for the Time Lords to deal with. So they're going to reboot reality with the uh, Pandorica. Then the uh, but before they can do that, the Dalek shoots the Doctor. To comes around the corner and shoots him, and he has to. He jumps back in time to that moment we saw twelve minutes mm-hmm. earlier. And River sends them to the Doctor's body downstairs, and then she, there's this this really creepy moment where she makes the Dalek beg for mercy before she kills it. Yeah, I I really like how, and this is partly it's vicarious satisfaction for the audience. I don't know if you've ever, (laughs) like, if you've ever seen Hot Fuzz, uh, the Simon Pegg movie. (laughs) He it he's a police officer who's like Mister by the book, Mm -hmm. and he's so good at his job that all of his colleagues hate him, and he gets sent (laughs) out to like this nowhere town in Mm. Oxfordshire or something, and so he uncovers this massive thing happening in this ostensibly peaceful village. And I thought the perfect resolution to this would be he gets out of the situation by continuing to be Mr. By the Book, and he unravels the hideous conspiracy thing in the sleepy little village by being Mr. Meticulous, nonviolent British police officer. Mm-hmm. But instead, what happens is massive gun battle bloodbath played for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was talking to a friend, and I, I realized this on my own, but I was talking to a friend, and it's like, f- from, from, you know, who's uh, from elsewhere in the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, see, this is vicarious fulf- wish fulfillment on behalf of the, of the local audience who don't have access to guns, yep. and therefore this is the big taboo thing we get to we get to have we get to play with guns here (laughs) and to me as an american okay guns no big deal i want to see how you pull this off with the meticulous nonviolent solution right Right. well here we have the same kind of thing and this is not the only time but we have it with the doctor and river where the doctor is mr punctilious never use weapons and River is like, okay, he's out of the room. I'm going to shoot you dead now. And the <laughs> yeah. audience gets satisfaction out of that because right. normally they have to live with the particular Mr. Particular nonviolence, but they really want to see the guns used sometimes. <laughs> and so now we have that with River. 
And and you get the parallel with the uh, Science Library Forest of the Dead, where the doctor tells the Vashon Rada, as you mentioned last episode, look me up. Yeah. Well, River does basically the same thing. You know, uh, records show that you're a companion of the doctor. You won't shoot me. I'm River Song. Look me up. Yeah. Right, right. Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a parallel of the uh of uh, Indiana Jones with the uh, the whip and the gun with the guy with the swordsman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that idea of you expect him to use the whip in a fair fight and he's like, "No, nah, that's not a fair fight." <laughs> he just shoots him. By the way, the Do- the Dalek in this episode, once it's reanimated, we get lots of shots of its eye stalk, you mm-hmm. know, because it's its principal way of displaying its personality, I guess. And this Dalek has an eye stalk that looks like an octopus eye. Yeah. And I just I can't, couldn't help noticing that. It's like, wow, this is like an octopus eye over and over again. It's a very weird, yeah, it's different. And they don't explain why it's different. I, I'm curious if there's, yeah. uh, if there's any explanation out there. Well, anyway, the, when Amy and Rory get down to the doctor's body that had, they left on the steps, it's gone. So apparently he wasn't really dead. Yeah. And Rory had helpfully earlier covered the doctor's face with his security guard coat so that now yeah. we know we're back at this spot and can right. see the coats there, but the doctor yeah. isn't. Uh, th- then when uh, the uh, River shows up, she says, oh, well, rule number one, the doctor lies. Yeah. So he- he's yeah. not really dead. Well, she comes down, strolling down the stairs, very unconcerned. And it's like Amy and Rory are like, the doctor is dead. Who told you that? He did. Rule number one, <laughs> the doctor lies. So, and then they figure out, Amy figures out, we were a diversion as he, yeah. the doctor sent, the future doctor sent us up there to keep that Dalek busy so that we, he could work down here doing something. Right. And so presumably what the future doctor whispered to his earlier self when he first beamed back to this time frame on the stairs was something like, tell them I'm dead and keep them busy. Yes. Uh, there is a nice moment, with, uh, by the way, uh, where Amy says, where's the Dalek? And River just says, it died. Nice, yeah. like, non-specific. <laughs> yeah. How did it die? Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it died. So the, the plan now is that the, we're going to throw the Pandorica into the exploding TARDIS, throwing the light from the restoration field into every moment in time at once, powered by an exploding TARDIS. So, uh, and, I, and we have a nice biblical reference here from River, because... Uh, she's being asked, well, what if we hook up the TARDIS, the Pandorica, to an, to an infinite power source? And River says, well, then let there be light. Yes, yep. that's right. River tells Amy that the Doctor is going to be caught in the explosion, and all memory of the Doctor will be purged from the universe, and it will be as if he was never born. Uh, the Doctor tells Amy, because he's, he's in the TARDIS now, wired up to it. I mean, in the Pandorica, wired up to it. The doctor tells Amy that she's special, that the universe has been pouring into her head through the crack in time. It restored Rory and can restore her family, which she has forgotten, if you, if you mm-hmm. remember. Yep. Uh, she, she, her parents has never been there. Uh, she just has and to remember. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't remember how she lost them. Yes, right. right. She's just like, I lost my, I lost my family. Um, we'd been uh, earlier... Just the assumption had been they died like in an accident or something, but uh, uh, they've been absorbed by the crack in time. So he goes into the explosion. After the explosion, he wakes up in the TARDIS. He's realized at this point he's seeing his time stream rewinding and unraveling. He sees mm-hmm. this is a very interesting sequence. He he yep. like wakes up. He's he's laying on his back and he suddenly sits up and says, "Ooh, 
I escaped. I love it when I do that. <laughs> and and he then sees this rewind stuff happening backwards. We're walking backwards through the first season. And we even get to see a bit that we hadn't seen before, where he says, oh, this was last week when we went to Space Florida. Yeah. And and he's he sees himself and Amy on at the console on the TARDIS. All Amy's like in beachwear and stuff. And the doctor is blathering on about how there's automatic sand there. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, that makes sense because, I mean, it was kind of an advanced concept for the time, but it's more well known now that there are, I mean, we haven't built it yet, but there are ideas for what's called utility fog which is essentially nanotechnology that's configurable. So it can be a fog, but then it can configure itself into any shape that's desirable. Mm-hmm. And automatic sand would just be a slightly primitive version of utility fog. So the sand could assemble itself into sand castles, and it could remove items of litter from the beach automatically and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, that's just first-generation utility fog. Cool. Or it does the Anakin thing. <laughs> And it does it, and it cleans it gets itself in up. everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it gets this itself is, yeah. out of everywhere. <laughs> this, this is the this is the gray goo nightmare scenario for Space Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it, the fact the doctor does say it cleans up the lolly sticks all by itself. Yeah. Uh, so then he moves uh, uh, backward in time to the the episode The Lodger. He sees Amy on Aikman Street uh, when she was heading to put the card in the window that started that adventure. Then he's on to the Byzantium, and this we saw in that earlier yeah. episode. Another major timey-wimey moment, right? That, which has been built into this season from the beginning. There's the moment in Crash of the Byzantium and Flesh and Stone, this is in the second part, Flesh and Stone, where Amy has, Amy's eyes have been infected by a weeping angel, and she's got to keep them closed, and the doctor steps away from her and then steps back and tells her mysteriously to remember. And at the time, we saw this happen in Flesh and Stone, and people noticed the wardrobe inconsistency. Yeah. Because at this moment, the doctor was not wearing his usual brown jacket, and here he is. And people thought it was just he had just stepped back for a moment, and the wardrobe department malfunctioned. Continuity error. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But now we learn, no, this was actually pre-planned as a moment where this is a a future doctor who's wearing different clothes, stepping in to tell her to remember as part of a desperate attempt to save his own life. Right. Uh, Yeah, this is where he said, you know, you need to start trusting me. It's never been more important. And she says, you don't always tell me the truth. (laughs) And then he has that great line, if I always told you the truth, I wouldn't need you to trust me. No, yeah. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good line in the moment, though. Yes, it is. Yep. Um, also, this doesn't quite make sense if this is the first time we've run through these events, because he, it, when we initially saw this, it was pre-Big Bang Universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, pre-Big Bang 2. And so the doctor from that point on the other side of Big Bang 2... He's from a, he's after the universe has been destroyed. How does he end up here in the prime timeline? Right. It doesn't quite make sense. Because it doesn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so 
he finally shows up in Amelia's house when she was seven, and the night she waited. She's asleep in uh, in the yard. In- mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he carries her up to her room, and he talks to her, assuming she won't remember him except as a story, and he gets emotional, and this is... Oh, we have a super meta moment here where he says, we're all, you'll remember me in your dreams as a story, and we're all stories in the end. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, a little meta-fictional moment there. Yep. We're all stories. But I, I felt like this moment was the opposite of the Time Lord Victorious. This is the, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing now. I'm fading yep. into, a, into a, a story barely remembered as, you know, from a childhood storybook. The Time Lord Vulnerabilis. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, and and so I I kind of like that that book ending of it. At least we have like that that different different aspect of him. Um. So he says uh, the the cracks won't close properly until I'm on the other side. Oh, so he, before he says that, he rattles on for a really long time, being poetic about the TARDIS as the ancient new stolen. Actually, I borrowed it blue box that's the yeah. bluest of blues ever blah 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 right and it's new even though it's ancient it's also new because it regenerated right after he crashed into amy's garden yep. mm. something ancient something new yeah something borrowed something blue the, yeah, i think that's heading, why he's we're saying going it. oh yeah he's <laughs> telling her that yes he's planting that in her subconscious right and so he uh he, he i, I kind of like the way they did this he walks through the crack but we only see it in reflection, like in the the reflection the of shadow. the light, the shadow. Yeah, yeah that's sorry, that's what I mean. The shadow. Uh, so I kind of like that that framing of the shot. Uh, and Amy wakes up, and there are stars in the sky. So mm-hmm. the timeline has been changed. Uh, mm-hmm. In the morning, it's adult Amy who wakes up on her wedding day, and her mom and her dad are there, and she acts surprised and doesn't know why she's surprised. So more mm-hmm. of this, yep. I'm I'm reacting emotionally to something and I don't know why. She feels like there's something important. Yeah, again, it's subconscious memories peeking through. Right. She's forgetting something important. Then we we jump to the... uh, She calls Rory on the phone. Oh, this is great. This is one of my... I love this moment where she's like ranting on about... Have you ever... I forget exactly how she puts it, but she's she's ranting about how she's surprised. Why should I be surprised at my parents and... Yes. Have you ever felt there was something you should be remembering and you can't or yeah. stuff like that? And Rory, <laughs> yeah. Rory is brushing his teeth and he's got the toothbrush in his mouth and he's, he's like, yep. Are you just saying that because you're scared of me? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she says, I love you. And he says, yep. I mean, I love you too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's got that husband thing down like Pat already. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, so we, we and then she, you know, we have a, a couple nice moments with her dad, Augustus. Which I kind of like the fact her dad is Augustus. Her mom is Tabitha, and uh, they get to the reception. The dad, her dad, Augustus Pond, is going to give the his the, the father's speech, but he's like, uh, I just need a couple more minutes, so he waits. This this is this is a difference in how American Wedding. weddings and wedding receptions go, because in Britain the reception is much more structured, and they're like the Father of the bride gives a speech, and the best man mm-hmm. gives a speech, and they're obliged to tell jokes and solve yeah. murders while they're standing there, and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Yes, <laughs> we don't we don't do that here in America. It's much more less formal. Since you mentioned it, that that episode of Sherlock that Moffat wrote with the 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 wedding of uh, of Watson uh, might have been the best 
oh uh, yeah TV episode of anything ever like it was the best thing <laughs> I, love I, mean, it. I know it's all absolutely awesome that's it's, why i mentioned it that's <laughs> great so uh amy at sitting at the head table she catches a glimpse of river song walking by outside and starts crying and doesn't know why and then she, she and, and we have an inversion of the emotions because rory yeah. says she says why am i crying and rory says i don't know because you're happy and she's no no i'm sad why am yes. i sad then he hands her this book, The River's Diary, that's blank. It says, uh, someone left it for you. But it's, it's, it's a new gift. It's clearly blue. Yeah. It is very old, as you can tell yeah. by the pages, but it's new to Amy. Yep. And right. then she starts seeing things that remind her of the Doctor. And it looks like the TARDIS. Yes, it, yeah. it does, right. She sees uh, somebody wearing uh, suspenders or braces uh, for, for our British uh, listeners. So. Uh, someone wearing a bow tie, and she starts, like, she gets, you know, kind of acting strange. She stands up. Stops her dad from yeah. giving his speech. Yeah, shut up, dad, <laughs> she says. And then uh, <laughs> she says, you know, I, I I, had an imaginary friend as a child. And their mom's like, oh, no, not again. And the raggedy doctor, but he wasn't imaginary. He was real. And everyone's like, oh, she's off her nutter. She's, she's, she's cracked. Yeah. And... uh and then eventually she says, I remember you, Raggedy Doctor. You're late for my wedding. Yeah. And she does these something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, and the TARDIS materializes. Like an incantation yep. for a, you know, a magic spell or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when the, uh, the Doctor emerges in tucks and tails, or hat and tails. I, I, I love how Amy is like, you had no idea this was going to happen. And he's like, no, no idea at all. That's why I'm wearing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And of, and of course, uh, he's like, I couldn't miss the reception. And he comes out and uh, that's when we have a little montage of the doctor dancing with all the kids in his like weird Matt Smith monkey dance, which is yeah. to, fantastic. To crazy, crazy little thing called love from Queen. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. That was that was kind of awesome. I, I I do love that part of it. I also like how when he comes out is, hi, I'm Amy's imaginary friend. <laughs> right. And, and from this box that just appeared in the middle of this reception hall. So, after the wedding reception, the doctor goes back to the TARDIS, where he's moved it to Amy's yard uh, the, of her house. Garden. They say, they say garden in England. Yes, yes. yes. I'm sorry. Yes, in the, uh, the garden. And uh, River is there waiting for him. Uh, there is this clever bit of dialogue. He asks her ah. if she's married. And this she, is yeah. more, this is an, yet another piece of awesome timey-wiminess in here. Yep. Because yep. He, he, he says, River, are you married? And she's nonchalantly says are you asking and he says <laughs> yes and she says yes and then he realizes <laughs> that his statement could be taken in two ways as, either as a request for information as to your marital status or as would you like to get married and he asks well which did you which were you answering and she's you know and, and she essentially says both yes right. yes <laughs> yeah, yes so we have him, we have a delicious timey-wimey marriage proposal here right. that was a proposal from her perspective but not from his but after it's done he goes along with it and so it Performative as a performative speech act becomes a marriage proposal in hindsight for him, right. and I love that multi-layered timiness of this. So we, yet another piece of timey-wiminess to this episode. Well, and, and of course you've got River who is going backwards on the Doctor's timeline. Yes, and you know, 
Yeah. So for her perspective, the marriage has happened. From his perspective, it's the proposal for marriage. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, and then she kind of gives a little hinting. You're, he asks, who are you? And she says, you're going to find out very soon now. And I'm sorry, but that's when everything changes and then vanishes. Hmm. So uh, that's next season. So the doctor goes into the TARDIS, starts getting things set up. Amy and Rory show up. Where are you off to? And uh, he says, it's our wedding. And basically, Amy says, we're going with you. You know, we're the whole mm-hmm. space and time. We're going to take take the evening off and head off. Although there's a nice fake out here because mm-hmm. to get to that point, the doctor is kind of like discouraging them from coming with him. And Amy and Rory are like, well, I guess this is goodbye. And yep, this is goodbye. And then we get this shot from outside the TARDIS of Amy coming to the door and waving goodbye to all the party guests. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> uh, so there is actually, a, a, and just before that, I, I, I kind of skipped that, uh, but they, the doctor does say, we still don't know why the TARDIS exploded, and we don't know what the silence is. So right. we, mm-hmm. that's coming up. At, at some point, they, they had mentioned that something outside the TARDIS was interacting. I think it's when uh, River was caught in the time loop, that so, or was in the TARDIS. Something outside the TARDIS was causing all this. This wasn't yes. a problem of the TARDIS. It was something was causing the TARDIS to explode. Right. right. Uh, then he gets a phone call on the on the time phone. Apparently from Liz Tim. Uh, yeah. Well, it says, um, well, no, it's, it's, he it says your majesty, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's, it's uh, and, and maybe. He, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So he, he says, but that's impossible. She was sealed in the seventh obelisk. I was there at the prayer meeting. Right. <laughs> And then we get a kind of summary of the adventure. An Egyptian goddess loose on the Orient Express in space. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which would point to Liz Tin's time. Right. And Although but, we, get, we get to see this adventure much later, don't we? Well, not exactly, because by <laughs> Peter Capaldi's time, so, I felt so cheated. Yeah. Uh, because they, they end with this line of dialogue, and then we never get to see this adventure. And it sounded really interesting. Yeah. But eventually, we'll get to see the Orient Express in space, but it's a mummy yeah, that's on the right. loose, and it's in Peter Capaldi's time. Yes, in the episode, Throw Mummies from the Train. No, I'm just kidding. It's yeah. Mummy yeah. on the Orient Express. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Bad puns. I can't let, let them alone. Uh, but that, And then that's when they wave goodbye, and the doctor says, don't worry about a thing, your majesty, we're on our way, and the episode ends. With the theme of the 11th. Dun, 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 dun. One of my favorite themes. I had that as, <laughs> oh, a, yeah. that as a ringtone yeah, for a while. <laughs> so, <laughs> Father Corey, any last thoughts on this episode? Well, just, just one question. Why wasn't there, you know, with all the timey-wimey, why wasn't there the time paradox when Amy and Amelia touched? Because when Amy yeah. comes out of the box, she touches Amelia on the head. And, of course, you know, yeah, yeah, that's Dr. Cannon says you should have some effect for that. And nothing happened, of course. The Blinovich uh, elimination effect I is inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it I, happens I couldn't remember, sometimes I couldn't it remember the term, yeah. but yeah, you knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Well, they even showed it to us with the two with the two uh, uh, sonic screwdrivers. Yep. But Amy's timeline and universe ceased to exist. So maybe that was it. Maybe. Sure. Sure. Why not? Uh, <laughs> or may- maybe it was the restoration field or maybe just the writers didn't want the complication. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was a two- fun two-parter. Uh, it-, yes. it is confusing, like we talked about before. It does It does have some open loops that will eventually be closed very quickly by Stephen Moffat because he's like, oh, I forgot about that one. Whip, done. But uh, <laughs> it's, a, it- it's, it's, a, it's a fun episode. This is one of the better two-part end-of-season two-parters, definitely. Jimmy? 
So uh, there was nice dialogue in this. Uh, Moffat has a good ear for dialogue, and I appreciated the dialogue in the two-parter. There were aspects of it that were not clear, but I think the answers are there. When I first watched this, when it originally came out, I'm like, so is Rory an Auton now? Exactly what happened and how did mm-hmm. that all work? On careful inspection, so Rory was reconstructed by the Autons or whoever, I mean, mm-hmm. in conjunction with the Autons, uh, by the Alliance of Villains from Amy's memories subconsciously. And when she remembered him, finally, it gave him enough of his memories to assert control over Auton programming. Right. But he remained an Auton with Rory's memories until the reboot of the universe. Right. Correct. And at that Correct. point, at that point, we get the real Rory back. But because they're all anomalies, he has memories. Mm-hmm. Once Amy does the incantation and the TARDIS comes back, all of their memories snap back. And even Rory says, how could we forget the doctor? Right. Yeah. So, so he now remembers all of the events of the first season, including when he was the lone centurion. Mm-hmm. Right. So all of that makes sense. The, the, another thing that I really wondered about the first time I'd seen this was how does River show up? If River's been rebooted like everybody else, I mean, River even says when the reboot happens, we'll all wake up where we should be and not remember any of this. So how did River know to come to Amy's wedding and let Amy see her out the window and give her the blank diary to prompt the TARDIS restoration? And in hindsight, the answer is this is a bootstrap paradox. Right. Because once the TARDIS has come back and everyone's memories have been restored, it is easy for River to go back in time and visit Amy's wedding and give her the diary. And, of course, River couldn't possibly be there if without the doctor's presence in time because. Yeah, but there is there is an inconsistent wrinkle here in time because she gives Amy a blank diary. And then when the TARDIS comes back, all the writing in the diary comes back. But the doctor says he does, he hasn't peaked. Yes. And so so presumably he got a glance but didn't read it and just saw the writing was back. But if that's a pre-TARDIS restoration, so it's a little more complicated. River would have to, after the TARDIS restoration, go get the pre-TARDIS restoration <laughs> diary with the blank pages and take that to Amy's wedding. Well, just go to the stationer and buy a new blank TARDIS diary, because I'm sure they have them. <laughs> yeah. Well, then the writing wouldn't come back if no one's ever written in it. This is true. This is true. So I want to kind of throw out to you guys, because it's the season finale, what do you think of the season as a whole? Moffat's first season, the 11th Doctor's first season, Amy Rory. Uh, what do you think of this this season? All t- uh, taken as a complete, you know, it's it's. I, I would say, you know, of course, looking back, it's not the strongest of the Matt Smith seasons, mm-hmm. but it's it's you know, it, it, frankly, it's a lot better than some of the stuff that came before with the ninth and even the tenth Doctor. I mean, it, it really, of course, it, it sets these characters so well that we come to know much better in later seasons, and Matt Smith kind of gets his really zaniness the the zany of the zaniness out of his system kind of in this ep- these seasons i recall he yeah. kind of he kind of tempers his character as he goes along and i think that's a good thing but it it's it's a it very much as a, as a whole it, it 
a very enjoyable season. Again, it, it and it does bring these characters that we we come to really get to know and and love. I mean, Amy Rory is the you know considered the best, definitely the I would in my opinion the best dual companion of New Who. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Jimmy, what do you think of the season? As a season, I think it's the best of New Who up to this point. Mm-hmm. I, since I wasn't expecting the question, I haven't had a chance to reflect on all of the seasons. But I think it's definitely better than the Christopher Eccleston season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's frankly better than... It, it certainly... I, what I can definitely say is it's the best first season of a Doctor to this point. Yeah. It's better than Eccleston's first season and only season. It's better than Tennant's first season, it's, and it's better than Capaldi's first season, and vastly better than Whitaker's first oh, yeah. season. Yeah. So of all the new Who Doctors, this is the best introductory season for a Doctor. In terms of are there other seasons that might top it overall, maybe in, in terms of like the Donna season mm-hmm. yep. of Tennant, maybe. And the season that follows it, where we get uh, the the impossible astronaut and so forth, mm-hmm. maybe. But it, I'd have to think about that. It may stand on its own for me as the yeah. best single season, but it's definitely the best introductory season in New Who. Agreed. I think the the last four episodes of this season, the Vincent, the Doctor, the Lodger, and then these two, are mm-hmm. some are four of the best episodes in mm-hmm. New Who. I think it they really. Without those, it's the season is okay. But these four episodes, this ending of this season, make really are what drive its excellence. I think it's what really makes us a great season. Um, it's some of my favorite; these are some of my favorite episodes altogether of the mm-hmm. whole series. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with both of you on that. All right, so uh, where do we go from here? We've uh, we're, so we're going to be, of course, continue to do uh, classic who, and we'll be, you know, talk about which one we're doing next in a bit. We've already discussed the christmas special we did that uh, in christmas 2019 we talked about the christmas special that came next which was the, the christmas carol and mm-hmm. so for the next time we talk about new who it will be the impossible astronaut so then the the sixth new season yeah and incidentally so uh for people who follow river songs timeline it's between the ending of this episode and the beginning of a christmas carol that river is conceived in the vortex that's right. Yep. That's right. Yes. So that's when we'll get her in existence. Um, so, uh, but uh, so we, uh, this is a kind of a, you know, a, one of those turning points in our discussion. And so uh, it's a lot of fun to kind of keep going. And we've got a couple more seasons of Matt Smith to go through here. So let's finish things up. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Carmen M., Jared C., Father Matt. Carla M. and Chad G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, as always, because he edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of The Pandarica Opens and The Big Bang? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fifth Doctor story, Time Flight. 
Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, it's a fez. I wear a fez now. Fezzes are cool. Right. This is going to be fun.